when I go about my daily life and I, you know, walk around and people are like, who's that guy? Get him to put pants on. Sometimes. <laughs> the Wrestling Life. Hey everybody, it's The Wrestling Life. It's episode 306. It is uh, the third or fourth, is now the fourth week of June of 2022. I'm Ethan. And I'm Liam. Liam, we have so much to talk about this week. And as always, so many things we can't talk about right here on the first and the only wrestling podcast. We have an AEW and New Japan joint pay-per-view coming up this weekend. We'll get to that in a bit. A little bit of New Japan news, but WWE, the World Wrestling Federation is back, baby. They had a big week in terms of television viewership. SmackDown was way up on Friday. Raw was up on Monday. NXT did their best demo number of the year on Tuesday. It would appear that the scandal involving Vince McMahon has put eyeballs on the WWE product. And the latest on that since we last did a show, uh, Johnny Ace, the head of talent relations, is on administrative leave. Vince McMahon is still in charge of creative, but is uh, stepped back as CEO. And Stephanie McMahon is interim CEO. And uh, Bruce Pritchard is the new interim head of talent relations. Morale, I'm sure, is very high. <laughs> And uh, Triple H is uh, apparently back at NXT. Whether that means he's running things again, I guess we'll find out. But a lot of turmoil in WWE this week. A lot of shuffling, a lot of musical chairs happening. Oh, and Vince decided to put himself on (laughs) SmackDown and Raw and be the biggest ham you ever saw. Uh what do you think about the latest machinations in the uh, WWE scandal? Well, I think it's all fascinating. So that Stephanie thing broke like hours after we recorded as is tradition last week. It was like seven 50 on Friday morning. Yeah. Yes. So yeah. Uh, so the next morning after we recorded, of course that broke. Yeah. Um, but I think when we, when we heard, well, Stephanie's the interim CEO, considering they had just done, they had, the company had floated a business insider article uh, talking about how terrible she was at her job. Uh, it felt like because there is really no, uh, to, I guess to the public, there's no succession plan. If Vince McMahon is not in charge, they wanted somebody that I guess has something of a recognizable public face. And as much as he's become kind of a mean guy in uh, wrestling Twitter. I don't think Nick Khan is that guy. So they put Stephanie in charge and it felt, I think, especially once we heard that Pritchard was now in charge of talent relations, like Stephanie McMahon hated Bruce Pritchard and fired him famously like a decade ago before he, he somehow uh, sprung back to life in the, in the late 2010s. Um, so it was like, well, clearly Vince is still in charge. But then you hear the news about Hunter, you know, waltzing back into the performance center some, you know, 12 to 16 months post his, his uh, death and, and he's back. And, and what exactly that, that means uh, if he's, if he's going to be like the showrunner for NXT, 
and he's still just executing it the way it's been executed or if we'll start to see a little bit of of changes i guess that we'll know we'll know what paul's uh true levels of power are uh depending on how many skulls and chains we see on nxt next week there there is that there is the possibility that there's just too much on bruce's plate and so they put Hunter back in charge of running the show on NXT. But time will tell on that. I don't know what else to say about that. Stephanie being interim CEO, interesting. The stock uh, didn't do... The stock is still outperforming the market. And the market has become a bear market. Um, so the stock has actually still outperformed the market. So... Wall Street did not hate the idea of Stephanie McMahon as interim CEO. The stock was down a little bit after the announcement, but not like a catastrophic amount or anything. So Wall Street in general has kind of yawned, I think, at the at the scandal. But Vince being on television, that's a, a real that's a real fun part of this. Yes. Uh, you know, he came out to let us know that he is not mad, nor has he ever <laughs> been mad. Yes. And in fact, he is laughing at all of this. Yes. Yes. It felt very much like he was shamelessly trying to babyface himself on SmackDown. And like, I don't know. He's definitely reveling in like being um, being newsworthy. I don't know. Is that if that's the best way to put it or not? But he he's definitely reveling in the attention. And um so far, this actually, aside from the uh, the lives that it may have ruined, um, this appears to be a kind of a nothing for the company. So yeah. there's that. I mean, I I guess we it's it's business as usual, and as you said, you know, from a television rating standpoint, all of the shows have been up. Uh, SmackDown did a tremendous number, and if you look at the quarter hours, that Vince wasn't even the hottest thing on that show um so yeah it's 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 been a, it's been a pretty good week for the world wrestling federation and i and i do wonder does this mean because there was always that fear because of the per how's this for a phrase perceived perception uh that <laughs> everyone in the financial and television worlds thinks that vince mcmahon is the only person that can do pro wrestling yeah. And that if he were to drop dead one day and Hunter and Stephanie were put in charge or whoever would be put in charge, that the business would just tank because people would have no faith. The, you know, the stock price would drop and the television partners would get nervous and all this stuff if, if Vince was ever out of power. But like, I feel like this is showing, and obviously he's still very much involved with creative. He's still in charge of, of that side of things. So maybe that's softened it for their for their television partners. But it does feel like maybe we've reached a point now with this company that it is so large and so self-sustaining in the type of day-to-day operations from the corporate side and the television side that not even Vince McMahon being redu- having a reduced role could really hurt it at this point. I think that's more than accurate. And also maybe just people don't believe that he has a reduced role. Like I don't believe he has a reduced role. Yeah. I I mean, I think the only thing that 
made people feel the that Stephanie has any real <laughs> powers that that Triple H is back, but um, back, back in the NXT thing. But what you you pointed out that it might more just be a thing of Pritchard's now running, you know, still running Ron's or helping run Ron SmackDown, and is also the the talent and relations guy that's got to send out those messages on their on their their independent contractor app uh it might yeah. just be it might just be well who's a guy that we have who isn't doing anything that knows how to run a television show right and so enter, enter paul Levesque. but yeah it does it does feel like yes i both i think the company is reaching a point where it would be not that it wouldn't hurt them if vince if 10 more uh, damning allegations come out against him and he is forced to actually resign um, I feel like it it would obviously probably hurt the stock prices in the immediate but I think it would be fine <laughs> in the long run and I think that's that's kind of what we're saying even if in this case this isn't really a, a good trial run because people still believe that Vince is is kind of still the guy in in the driver's seat and he's still the guy running running tvs and stuff like that but yeah it's like yeah this feels like a sign that that uh that the uh the feeling that that only vince can do pro wrestling or that vince alone is running this whole this whole company maybe that's maybe that's a little bit overblown or or just not how uh how wall street looks at at this company anymore well, as far as the product itself, Roman Reigns and Riddle had a heck of a uh, world title match there on SmackDown. That was really good. And uh, regardless of what you think of. So Riddle does this big number with Roman Reigns. And obviously, I think that all of that number was Roman Reigns. I don't think Riddle. Um, he is a fresh challenger and you, they should not have cut out, cut the legs out from under him the way they did by then jobbing him to Omos on Raw on Monday. But I uh, attribute 100% of that SmackDown number to Vince and Roman Reigns because I may have talked about this on the show last week, but I was looking at quarter hours like two or three weeks ago. And Mm -hmm. it's like, huh, the only consistent ratings movers in WWE are Becky Lynch and Roman Reigns. And it's like, those are the only two people that they have protected in their booking over the last three years. <laughs> so it's like, is there any shock that the only two people that consistently move numbers? And when I say move numbers, we're only talking about a hundred thousand people here or there out of shows that do in the neighborhood of 2 million viewers. Right. So this is far from the days of, you know, Mick Foley or whoever making a million people change, the, you know, change the channel. But Roman Reigns and Becky Lynch are the only two people that, that move numbers over there. Is it any surprise? Well, it's <laughs> given that they're the only people that they protect. Well, yeah, it's just it's so funny because we've been hearing for so long that it doesn't matter. Wins and losses don't matter. And it's. <laughs> It's about if you can can reach out and make that connection with your audience. It's like, you know what helps you connect with an audience in this modern era? If you're constantly on television and you never lose. <laughs> that yeah. seems to, uh, to make uh, audiences want to watch you and believe in you and buy your merchandise and 
buy tickets to see shows that you're on and, and things like that. Um, so funny. Yeah. Funny, funny how that works. Most, most over people in the company also almost always tend to be the people that are the most protected. It's weird. It's weird how that, that keeps happening. Yeah. So they are telling a story with Becky Lynch here on the road to money in the bank show that she's on the poster for <laughs> where they've had her lose to uh, like slip on a banana peel and lose to uh, Dana Brooke. And then uh, she did actually do a clean job for Asuka on Raw on Monday. But uh, yeah, they're telling some stories. So I naturally think that now that she's a heel and the deck has been stacked against her uh, in storyline, that uh, she will triumphantly win Money in the Bank. (laughs) These people are so backwards. I mean, yeah, what else, uh, you know, what else are you going to do? Uh, make a new star? Nope. No, sure. no, they don't. Nope. Tell you what, they keep, they put, uh, they put Liv Morgan in that match. And uh, I still say Liv Morgan needs to quit WWE. Oh, totally agree. Like, I don't, uh, <laughs> I mean, like she has, she ironically, and I don't think she's, not that very many people were, but I don't think she's as over as Becky Lynch was pre the man character. Right. But she's kind of in that spot where like everybody seems to like her in that company. Like she's always on television. She's yeah. just most of the time booked to lose on television. Um, people and- still react when she comes out. Mm-hmm. People still get behind her. There's still signs for her and stuff, even though she's booked as the biggest loser in the world. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, there's, there's always that chance that, you know, the right person gets hurt and, and they have no choice, but to, uh, to do something with her finally. But yeah, it doesn't, if I were her, I'd, uh, I'd just look to go anywhere else. Uh, But, but we'll, uh, we'll, we'll see other, yeah. Other than Becky, like who's, Nobody feels like they're being primed for for this. Like nobody, nobody feels you unless you have like another big surprise coming back. Like if Bailey or someone is coming back on the show, but I don't get the feeling that it's being that's building up. It doesn't feel like they want to do anything uh, with anybody else in this match. Yeah, it's like well, Oscar and Becky, and Oscar's beaten Becky on TV a couple times, so Becky probably wins at the pay per view. Yeah, yeah, that's how it feels. So after uh, Roman Reigns beat Riddle, they uh, had uh, Brock Lesnar come back and uh, establish himself as the next challenger for Roman Reigns for SummerSlam. So they're doing a thing, too, where they're promoting multiple shows at once. They have Money in the Bank coming up next Saturday. And then four Saturdays later, they have SummerSlam and they're promoting two shows at once. And, you know, whatever. It's fine. I don't care. But really, this company only has two ideas, and they're they're push Randy Orton and uh, text Brock. <laughs> so, so Randy Orton's on the shelf. So they texted Brock. So Brock's gonna come back and wrestle Roman again. Why not? Yeah, I mean, well, it's funny because we were talking on one of our last couple shows here, where we were trying to make sense of the Lashley uh, posing with the belt <laughs> at the last pay per view thing where it was it was so important that the referee is screaming at him go grab the belt and gesture to the crowd with it like there's and it was so important that we get that shot of lashley holding the title 
so the yes. announcers can talk about how he's calling his shot. But Lashley's not getting, and so I, I, I think most people would have thought, whoa, okay, well, Orton's hurt. They'll put Lashley in the SummerSlam match. Still no. <laughs> We're just going back to Brock for the umpteenth time it's a stip match this time but yeah we're, we're doing that match for for the trillionth time and lashley will get his shot in in january <laughs> like is roman working again after september this year i don't know i don't know i don't think anybody knows <laughs> i really don't think anybody knows so yeah there's that um, what else do we have here? Uh, men's money in the bank. I don't know. It's a bunch of guys. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's like, I don't know. Seth Rollins will probably win it. I don't know. That just... <laughs> yeah, that feels right. Like he's, he feels like the guy you, you, you give it to. And then maybe like if Cody comes back, maybe he and Seth have a match for the briefcase and Cody wins it and uses that to get his match with Roman or something. Like that feels like something they do, but. Yeah, that makes sense. I still refuse to believe anyone that's ever going to beat Roman Reigns. So, <laughs> I or I think maybe Braun Breaker is going to beat him in like two years. But I don't. I don't. Do you really see Vince McMahon putting Cody Rhodes over Roman Reigns at some point? I don't. I would have said no before they had him beat Seth Rollins three times in a row. Um, that made me think that they do see something i think at the end of the day there's gonna be a moment where they go are we really gonna let the other company's guy beat our guy right even though he you know was in wwe for 10 years before he uh you know went on his his indian AEW runs uh i feel like that will eventually come down to it and on the day of the show we're gonna we're going to probably change our minds. Yeah. I don't know if Cody's the guy, I think you could have him win the money in the bank. And then as a baby face, instead of doing the surprise cash in, he uh, like cashes it in for a pay-per-view or whatever, or on a TV, maybe since Roman wrestles on TV now, I guess. Um, Great. But yeah, so I, that, that was kind of my thought in the head was that if, that if Cody got the briefcase that he would, challenge to him on like a day and date rather than doing the, trying to do the surprise yeah that makes sense well there is a joint AEW and JPW pay-per-view this weekend the forbidden door on Sunday <sighs> 10 big matches <laughs> scheduled for this show we were talking last week about how Okada not being on this show really hurt it. And then Okada showed up on Dynamite this week. The last minute nature of the booking of this show has been uh, something else. <laughs> I think that's I think that's a kind way of putting it. Yeah. But yeah, I I don't know. We can go match by, match by match here in a second, but uh, just general thoughts on uh, the Forbidden Door. I think in general, uh, specifically when it comes to the Okada match, it's like I'm not a fan, and WWE does this sometimes too, where you go where you tease a match, and then you go, "Now nah, we're not going to do that match," and then like three weeks later, you go, "Just kidding, we are going to do that match." Uh, I just think in general that's 
a weird way to tell a story and it doesn't it doesn't make the story better like i guess in some scenario where you have like a like a chicken heel who doesn't want to face off with with a, a big time baby face and and so they're the match is made and then they try to weasel out of it or whatever but in this case, this you had like you had a guy challenge Okada on television, and then another guy challenge Okada, and then Okada lost the belt, and then they both challenged the new champion who turned them both down, and then the new champion and Okada and these guys got in a brawl, and now they're having a four-way. It's like unless you genuinely didn't know if Okada was gonna be on the show until like Wednesday morning. <laughs> I don't know why you would book your show this way or why you would do so many like last minute afterthoughts. I understand there's a lot of injuries. They were waiting to see if Danielson could come back. I guess I'm guessing O'Reilly being hurt affected the the Young Bucks match and stuff. I don't like I, I know injuries have been a big part of this too. The way New Japan books, they weren't gonna really let any of their big shows uh, or any other big matches be announced until after that show was over. Cause they don't book the next show or announce the next show until the other show is over. Right. Um, so like the way new Japan structures, their stuff probably hurt this too. The fact that we are coming straight from one AEW pay-per-view onto another a month later, they've never had to do television in that way. But yeah, it's been it's been incredibly, I think, disjointed. And I'm not a big believer in like that you have to hold every every single person's hand and that the commentators, uh, you know, Jim Ross does his best for, for like the three New Japan guys he knows to really try to put them over as big deals and stuff. And, and you can do you can do little things here and there. But, but the idea that you that how many matches just go oh and by the way this person's uh, teaming with this person it's just it's, it just feels so thrown together in a way that if you're talking about the biggest new japan you know AEW biggest one of the biggest non WWE wrestling shows from a crowd size standpoint anyway in in a long long time it's like yeah you would have hoped that the build would have made you more excited for the show. But I feel like if you had just put these matches on a list a month ago and then aired static on your television for the last four weeks, I'd be more excited now than I am having watched four weeks of the the television supposedly building this show up. That's more than fair. So on Rampage last week, they had uh, William Regal on commentary and he's like you know brian danielson against zach saber jr would be one hell of a wrestling match <laughs> so then brian danielson comes out on dynamite this week and is like i am not going to wrestle zach saber jr and it's like i am i'm not medically cleared and it's like why did you tell us that you were going to wrestle zach that brian danielson was going to wrestle zach saber jr then why did you plant that seed if you weren't if you had no intention or did not know if you could deliver it or not? Yeah, that's the big one for me. It's like yes. you can say they thought they thought they they were going to be good. It's like until you know, why would you tease it? Why would you why would you put that out there um, if you weren't one hundred percent sure you were going to be able to deliver it? It's a big question. 
and and one that again other the other company does that that sort of stuff a lot well they're they'll announce a thing or they'll tease a thing and do it and then do something else but ideally this company has a lot more goodwill built up with their audience and i don't think their audience is uh expecting that or, or generally i think their audience does expect that if something is talked about on this television show, it's going to lead to a wrestling match that they want to see. So why would you talk about a wrestling match that this and tr- get your fans riled up about it? If you weren't sure if you could deliver it, it's just, it's, it's one of those things where that sort of stuff does add up and does start to, uh, you know, ebb away at that, that goodwill that you have. We, we chat about uh, the forbidden door here a little bit. So Zach Sabre Jr. is going to debut for uh, whatever a, a new opponent is going to debut uh, in the Brian Danielson spot and face Zack Sabre Jr. on the show. I assume this, this is Cesaro, although no one has told me that. I mean, that's the only name where I think you could do this as I guess Gargano is the only other one ah. that you could you could do as a surprise. Gargano is going to be in Chicago on that on that weekend, by the way. Um, um, but yeah, that's, those are the only two names that, uh, that would make, that I think would make it worth keeping it a secret. Cause if it's, if it's Jonathan Gresham or Timothy Thatcher or somebody, any other guy who, you know, could fit the bill of like a great technical wrestler for Zach Sabre Jr. to wrestle, I would have just announced it <laughs> or not done the match. Yeah. Uh, uh, so if you're building up a big time secret debut, that's going to not only, uh, you know, not only is he going to wrestle Zack Sabre Jr., but then is apparently taking Danielson's place in the blood and guts match, which is next Wednesday. Yes. <laughs> so they are speaking of uh, shows that have to promote two things at once. AEW this week was all over the place with uh, trying to promote both their blood and guts show which is usually they're like one of their biggest TV weeks of the year. And then at the same time, they're also uh, promoting a pay-per-view on Sunday. So, so I would think if you're keeping this a secret though, and this guy's going to be a regular on television after the show, then yeah, it's, there's only like two guys where I think it makes sense. And that would be Cesaro or Gargano. I only say Cesaro because the fact that, as I said, no one has told me, I feel like if it was going to be Gargano, I would have, I would have heard something. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, that's, and I think based on what the content of Danielson's promo was, I think it makes sense that it would be Cesaro. He and Cesaro have history because they were in Ring of Honor together. Regal was like, Cesaro was like Regal's last ever program in, in NXT before he had to retire because his neck was broken. Yeah. And he and he didn't know it or whatever. So yeah, this is Cesaro would be the 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 good fit, if it, especially if they're going to be regularly associating with with Danielson and Regal after this show. Yeah, Cesaro would make the most sense. Well, there's a huge pre-show match on the show where Max Caster and uh, Billy Gunn and his sons are going to wrestle a bunch of the LA Dojo guys from New Japan. That's uh, that's certainly a wrestling match. Glad, glad, glad you, Yamura is getting booked. He's the best guy in that match by far. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Um, let's see. So what else do we have? We have uh, two Bullet Club guys, El Fantasmo and Hikaleo, teaming with the Young Bucks against Dudes with Attitudes, Darby Allen, Sting, and the hilarious duo of Shingo Takagi and Hiromu Takahashi from <laughs> Los Ingobernables de Japan. It's one of those only, uh, only in wrestling kind of things where like, who would you think would never end up teaming together? And it's like, well, I would probably put Sting and Shingo Takagi and Sting <laughs> and Hiromu Takahashi on that list. They're going to be on the same side here in an eight man. One of those only only in wrestling kind of things. That's, absolutely, absolutely. That's a fun, that's a fun match, though. So. Yeah, I mean, it's not the way I would have liked to have seen it, but I'm finally also getting the Young Bucks versus Sting and Darby, which is the match I've been begging for for like two years on this show. Yep. So we'll get that. Yeah, that'll be a fun match. And yes, just the the bizarre nature of that team. And I'm also a big fan of bringing back like the 80s Survivor Series style of your teamed four random dudes together. They got to have a name for their one night only team. I like that. Yes. Dudes with attitudes. That's pretty great there. Uh, Let's see. The other non-title match on this show is Chris Jericho, Sammy Guevara, and Minoru Suzuki with Tay Conti. Wikipedia says <laughs> facing Eddie Kingston, Wheeler, Yuta, and Shota Umino. Why is Suzuki teaming with Jericho? And why is Teikanti going to be in Suzuki's corner? That's just a hilarious, uh, just another kind of hilarious random pairing there. Yeah. Again, just felt like a weird afterthought of, oh, what are we doing with Suzuki on this show? I don't know. Where can we fit him in? All right. Well, Let's do a Jericho Kingston match tag match to, to set up the blood and guts match on Wednesday. Use your pay-per-view to set up your televisions. Uh, and, uh, and they're like, all right, just throw them in there <laughs> for some yeah. reason. All right. Yeah, that's weird. Uh, there is an AEW women's world title match on this show. Thunder Rosa is wrestling Tony Storm. I don't know, man. I wouldn't put Tony Storm in a, in a title match if I was going to beat her, but I really don't have a feel for how this is going to go other than Tony's been wrestling on TV every week and Thunder Rosa has pretty much not been wrestling on TV. I, I, I don't know what that means. My gut is they change the title here, but I don't know. What do you think? Yeah. I, uh, so they have this like quick three week thing where Tony all of a sudden beat Britt Baker and then they did the, 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 the weird, Maybe there was some not cooperating between Rosa and Shafir. And then that led to Tony beating Marina Shafir after Rosa had beat her the week before. And that's, that's kind of your build for the title match. It wasn't particularly inspired, but yeah, I don't know. I would, I'd probably just put the title on, on Tony storm. Tony storm had a better match. If we're going by who had a better match with Marina Shafir on television in the last month, it's Tony, Tony storm should be champion for, for, a year um, because she's the only person that has, you know, generally I think Tony storm should be the champion of every wrestling promotion mm-hmm. and have thought that for at least five years. So yeah, I think she should be made event television shows. I think Britt Baker versus Tony storm should have made event to dynamite last week. I don't 
have any problem whatsoever main eventing a dynamite with that. And yet it was still in the 922 to 932 women's match window that is there every single week. So tell you what, man, WWE is no picnic. AEW has so many people, not exactly a might be better place to get paid right now. Not an easy place to try to get television time. No, I mean, if you're not in this, in the, the upper top tier, which is, you know, especially for, if we're talking about the women in this case, with the exception of Britt Baker and Jade Cargill, who generally they make television time for, it's not always a match, but they are usually on the show every week. Um, you are going, if you're not one of those people and you're not John Moxley, Chris Jericho, Brian Danielson, whoever else, uh, you're gonna you're gonna get on TV maybe for a month, and then you're gonna get cycled off TV, and you'll be on dark for a couple of months, and then they'll cycle you back on eventually. And if you're cool with that and you enjoy that, great. But if you're if you're someone that was used to being on on weekly television every week and in a in some sort of program or something that you think matter or you feel you were promised that or you feel like you were expecting that coming in, it's just just not how they do things for better and often for worse. I think it's if you're not in that real, real thin top tier, you're going to be, you'll just disappear for, (laughs) for weeks on end. FTR wrestling, great Ocon, your pal, great Ocon and Jeff Cobb and Trent Beretta and Rocky Romero in a three-way for the ROH and IWGP heavyweight tag team titles. I assume Rocky Romero is there to take the pin. It's just a question of whether someone from FTR or someone from the United Empire pins him. Yeah, that'll that'll be interesting. Um, I mean, I I feel like it's FTR is gonna win here, and they're I think they're still the AAA. They don't bring those AAA belts ever, but they're I think they're still the AAA tag champs. They're the yep. ROH tag champs. They're the, if they win this, they'll be IWGP. And then you can probably set up a match with the Bucks for that August pay-per-view for all of the belts and then do what you're going to do there. Sure. I got no problem with that. Whatever. Except I would have to watch FTR and wrestle in yet another wrestling promotion. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen a bunch of their matches triple a i've seen a bunch of their matches in AEW. they just they're not quite like the good brothers level to me in mm-hmm. that like i have seen good ftr matches i have never seen a good good brothers match <laughs> and yet here they are on every show <laughs> yeah i mean i mean it's not like they can make the heavyweight tag division more dire right in, in new japan if they're the champs at least it would be someone new. <laughs> Correct. So there, there is that. The United States Heavyweight Championship is going to be alive. The IWGP United States Heavyweight Championship with Will Ospreay defending against Orange Cassidy. Will Ospreay is the United States champion who doesn't have the belt because Juice Robinson still has the belt in Florida and either Tony has not been home to pick up the belt or they just never thought to ask Tony Storm to bring the belt to TV with her. I think either is possible. But... Will Ospreay and Arch Cassidy are going to have a wrestling match, and maybe they will have a physical title belt. Maybe they won't. 
Yeah, who could say? You know what? I bet this will have among the most heat of anything on the show. Because Orange Cassidy is always over and Osprey is is incredible. And I think people will connect with this match on a level that they won't with like the Suzuki Jericho six man or a lot of other stuff or like a bunch of multi-band matches. But this one is like the ultimate like personality character that everybody loves, like that AEW fans feels like a homegrown star going against you know, one of one of the better professional wrestlers on the planet. It's like people are gonna go crazy for this. Yeah, I would I would have preferred uh, this match a couple of years ago when Will Os- when Will Osprey was uh, better. <laughs> I don't think he's the wrestler he was two three years ago. Just a lot of wear and tear. Put on some extra muscle, trying to um, bulk up and and change things up a little bit and i just don't think he's the same wrestler he did break out that sasuke special or the space flying tiger drop on um on dynamite this week and it's the first time i've seen him do that in a long time so maybe he's kind of getting his legs back a little bit but um i don't disagree with anything you said i'm just adding i wish i would have seen this match two three years ago yeah that's fair all atlantic championship nonsensical title nonsensical match pack versus miro versus malachi black versus supposed to be tomohiro ishii ishii hurt his knee so now it's clark connors just three upper mid aew guys and a new japan jobber for the (laughs) aew all atlantic championship wow 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 yeah not 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 exactly putting your best foot forward with this, but I mean we we went into the the logistics of why this belt makes no sense, I think, on our last show. But yeah, this just uh just uh gonna be just gonna be a nothing like I'm sure the crowd will be into it because like they should probably put this on early in the show. <laughs> or if, if I were these guys, I would hope it goes on early in the show because they could just you know have an all action, maybe eight or ten minute match and and whatever. But yeah, not the <laughs> Not not the best foot forward if you're trying to make this belt feel like it isn't just this weird novelty thing that you decided to introduce to your, on your television for no reason. Pack is really good. Malachi Black is a good wrestler. Mm-hmm. Don't like his character, but he's a good wrestler. Clark Connors, good wrestler. No personality, but good wrestler. Mm-hmm. Miro, crowd loves him. Crowd's really into the character even though once you've seen this one match, I think you've seen every mirror match. <laughs> um, so, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if that gets a lot of reaction. And well, you know, hopefully this show ends before uh, 1240 a.m. Eastern time. Peace. And and the you know, everything is just moves at a brisk pace. And uh, yeah, but if these just guys just go out there and do a sprint or something and you got Pack and Malachi Black doing spots and Clark Connors and Miro doing mean guy stuff in between. Like that, that could be a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. There's a four way for the IWGP World Heavyweight Title. Jay White defending it against Okada, Hangman Page, and Adam Cole. Random four way. I assume Cole's there to to eat a pin. 
I don't think it's time to, to uh, get the title off Jay White just yet since they just put it on him. Uh, but Okada beating Jay White for a championship in the United States. Hey, I saw that once before, three years ago. I wouldn't necessarily <laughs> be surprised by that either, but I assume Adam Cole is here to take the pin either way, but they kind of threw this together on uh, the final dynamite before the pay-per-view. And um, it's a big deal if you know who Okada is. And uh, I'm just not sure how many of the 850,000 people that watch Dynamite Live every week know who know who Okada is. I think there's something, and we've we've certainly talked about this before, but the the idea of in the, especially in the modern television era, if you put video packages to explain who these guys are on TV, those almost always lose viewers, like a good amount of viewers. So that's why you don't get long video packages on AEW television very often. However, I would posit, and that's the always the other side of this coin is, yeah, but maybe the people who stick around uh, will be more likely to pay you $50 to watch the show if they know who some of these guys are and why them showing up is a big deal. And some of the history that maybe they have with members of the AEW roster that you do already know. There is that. And then the only other match on this show so far, I think they may add a match on Rampage. Uh, but um, the only other match announced at this point is uh, for the interim AEW world title. And it's John Moxley wrestling Hiroshi Tanahashi, which should be a very good wrestling match. Yeah, no, I think it'll be I think it'll be good and the crowd will be into it. And they clearly Moxley has wanted this match for a really long time. Um, so I'm sure I'm sure it'll be really good. And and yeah, I mean, it's it feels like the biggest match on this show, um, uh, despite the convoluted final angle on Dynamite this week, where those two guys just kind of looked at each other while they, they plugged like three <laughs> other matches yes. uh, around the ring. Um, I thought that, yeah, like it's, it's going to be good. And we've talked about this a lot. Uh, you know, Tanahashi can still, because of his ability to connect with the crowd, he can still have great matches and Moxley, you know, knows how to, to ratchet up that intensity and get something good out of him as well. So, yeah, I think, I think it'll be a good main event. Now I do, I do feel for these guys. Cause again, hopefully they're in the ring before, midnight eastern time <laughs> because yeah this crowd while it is going to be a big crowd and i think they'll be into everything you you do tend to hit lulls on shows like these and uh unless you're going to play wild thing throughout the whole match like you did last month's show uh you know they might have a little trouble getting the crowd into it at least at first well that's what's happening in wrestling this week next week is money in the bank yeah that too uh to look forward to was the stadium show moved to the intimate confines of the uh, MGM Grand Garden Arena. <sighs> we've covered, we've spanned the globe, we've covered the world. Is there anything else that you'd like to discuss this week? I'd just like to say, uh, Ric Flair had his uh, his press conference for his his big final match this week. Yeah, still don't know who's in the match, by the way. No, and according to Rick, neither does he. Um, 
And I'd just like to say what's great about that is during the press conference, Rick informed us that other than the fact that he has an inner ear uh, problem, uh, he takes blood thinners and he has a pacemaker. He is uh, he's healthy as a horse. So, you know, <laughs> other than his inability to stand upright, his blood and his heart, guy's doing great. So we don't need to worry about it. You know, a dude on blood thinners, boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. You know, that thing's been a bad idea from the start, but it's, it's really, it's really a bad idea. You have to figure like it would be lethal in this match, but there's no way Tony's going to let him do a match where Ric Flair might die. Right. Uh, I still think like that the they shot an, they shot an angle this week. Uh, like that's the thing about uh, uh, lethal being upset that he's not in the match. I still feel like that's an angle to get lethal into the match. Okay, but um, yeah, I mean, I mean, I still think it's going to be FTR and 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 probably lethal or somebody like that in the match. But I I don't know. I I don't know, but they know. Yeah, I don't know, man. If I was signing FTR and, and Jay Lethal's paychecks, I don't think I want them on this show <laughs> under any circumstances. I think that's more than fair. Um, we'll see. Uh, all right, so we've now, <laughs> except for the pacemaker, the blood thinners. <laughs> except for his heart, his blood, and his ability to stand upright, he's the picture of health. All right. So until next time, everybody, I'm Ethan. And I'm Liam. We will be back soon with more stories from the wrestling life. Goodbye. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Now, here are this week's bonus features. I'm certainly not, I don't believe myself to be indispensable to my current employers, but, uh, you know, I do a fair fair amount of work. um, And if I'm being asked to do continue doing what I currently do, plus more stuff, plus drive uh, an extra 15 to 20 minutes every day, more on probably on select nights, depending on traffic. Uh, Yeah. I I think I need to see a little bit more, uh, uh, it's you know it's 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 all about the money and the miles as yes as yes as the show's favorite wrestler uh once so eloquently put it so that's right you know so you get if just let's just say extra 25 cents mm-hmm. an hour um uh 40 hours in a week ten dollars mm-hmm. <laughs> pre-tax uh, post tax, what like uh, seven fifty? Yeah. Wow, how generous! <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. It's just it feels like the juice is not worth the squeeze. A good phrase. Mm-hmm. I believe you taught me that phrase. <laughs> is the juice worth the squeeze? Mm-hmm. <laughs>
the juices pretty much never worth the squeeze. Almost never. Yeah. I try to keep on keeping on.